sometimes there's gonna have to be talks like there's gonna mm-hmm. have to be points where you come back together you see things two different ways doesn't mean abby's right doesn't mean amy's right but what middle ground it really like it really is a marriage like i'm just free business advice if you're gonna start a business <laughs> Like start it with someone that you're like, I could marry this person. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. Hello, everybody. We have a podcast episode dedicated completely to you today. So getting questions answered that you have all asked. And we recorded the bulk of this episode a few weeks ago. So before we heard about some of the recent medical news that our baby is going through. So this part right here, it's currently April 27th, for those of you who don't listen weekly, um, is being recorded after the bulk of this episode. And to catch you all up, we had our 20-week anatomy scan in mid-April. It took a really long time. The tech kept leaving and coming back to get one more look. And I wasn't worried. I didn't think I had any reason to be. But when the doctor came back in afterwards, she let us know that there were some issues. So our baby has some issues with their heart. So half of it's bigger than the other. There's a cyst on the baby's brain. There's blood in the bowels. And there's possible chromosomal issues. So at this point, my heart definitely sank. I completely went numb. I had never heard any bad news at these scans. Um, So it was just a lot of information to take in all at once. And to make it worse, Colin wasn't with me. So right now with COVID-19, partners aren't allowed to come to these visits. So it was just a lot to take in. We kept the information to ourselves for a couple of days, and we both grieved the way that we grieved. So Colin went to Google and did all the research she possibly could. I stayed busy and cleaned, and that's kind of how I cope. And then we slowly started telling family and a few close friends, which was really hard because it made it feel more real at that point. And then last Thursday, so April 23rd, we had our testing day. So we had a follow-up visit with an echocardiogram, a meeting with a pediatric cardiologist, discussions with our genetic counselor, and then also an amniocentesis. And Amy and I talked the day before. I was actually going to drive myself there, even though Colin had offered a hundred times and she kindly told me to stop being superwoman and that I needed support. And thank God she said that. It was the best decision because there was no way I could have driven home after just the pressures and also the pain that the whole the whole day went through. So Colin had packed me a water, a baggie full of snacks, and he dropped me off at the hospital doors. I had a ton of tears as I walked in. And for any of you who have been to a hospital recently, you know that they do a temperature check right when you walk in the door. They ask you a ton of questions about fevers and traveling. I must have answered something wrong because I got a visitor badge. There was a beautiful pregnant woman who actually let me skip in front of her. And I later found out that your name is Kelly. Hello. And that she's a Herself podcast listener. So it's just kind of fun to be able to connect. So the echocardiogram is an hour-long scan that focuses just on baby's heart. And afterwards, we FaceTimed Colin in, and the doctor went through the findings, and there's definitely some issues. So one is pretty rare, 
Not rare as in scary, just more as in there's not going to be a whole lot of information online. The doctors hadn't actually seen it before, so they took a couple more images so that they could do some more research on it to hopefully help out other women and babies who are going through the same thing. Overall, blood isn't flowing properly to the left side of the heart because it's taking a detour instead of the easy route. So the easy route just hasn't been created in our baby's heart, so it's taking a really long path all the way around. And what does this really all mean? It means that we're going to need some heart specialists at the birth, and I'll be going to very, very frequent cardio visits all through pregnancy. Um, There's a possibility of a surgery. There's a possibility that baby will have to be induced early if things get worse. Um, I actually like joked about having a home birth with the virus going on, and she like shot me a really strict look, being like, "Remove that from your birth plan." Like, there's definitely going to be a big team at birth. And after this, we met with a couple other doctors, and then we went into the amniocentesis. And for those of you who don't know what an amniocentesis is, it's a really long needle that's inserted through the stomach, and it gathers amniotic fluid. So it'll give a really good reading of the baby's chromosomes and any genetic issues that he or she may have. So the two that they're really worried about are trisomy 18 and trisomy 21. 18 oftentimes has an incompatibility with life following the baby's birth. And then trisomy 21 is Down syndrome. So those are the two that they're really looking at. It also took another test result for toxoplasmosis as well as CMV because the baby does have blood in the bowels. So those could be possible things. And again, I'm alone during this procedure. And there's four doctors in the room. Two of them are doing the ultrasound. Two of them are doing the needle. And all of a sudden, this other woman walked in. And she put a shield on, she put a mask on, she gloved up, and she sat down next to me. And I was really confused at first, but then found out that her name was Barb and that she had started the department 27 years ago. And she asked me if I was comfortable. She would hold my hand during the procedure. Like this woman could have been doing a million other things, but she sat down next to me and was there with me. And that was literally everything that I needed. Like My entire body just calmed, like completely calmed down as soon as she sat down with me. Um, I did pass out during the procedure, probably because I hadn't eaten enough and the it was painful. There's no numbing. I don't know if you guys, anybody else who's been through it had any numbing cream, but there wasn't any numbing for me. It's a very quick procedure. And they did say that it went really, really well. I'm not having any issues afterwards. I'm just really sore. Like this is three days later and I'm still really, really sore. I feel like I've been punched in the stomach. We will find out about this information all throughout this week, but I really want to thank you all for the support, like your messages, your comments, your recommendations and tips and stories. Like, thank you. So much thank you. Colin and I read through these when we're not feeling very strong. And in a world where we're not seeing anybody, they go so much further than they ever, ever have. I've also been hearing from a few of you that you've recently heard similar news and are about to go down this path. Many are feeling very alone. Now, we all hope that every one of these tests come back with a positive outlook, and I'm sure, I know that there's a perfect plan in place regardless of what these results say, but the unknown is really scary. The uncertainty in all of this, it's completely numbing. And keeping all the information inside and as a secret, that's a perfect coping mechanism. I mean, heck, we did that for a couple of days. Not even our family knew as we kind of sorted out and grieved the way that we knew best, but we've also heard from many of you that hearing another woman's story 
And reading your comments and your experiences within our photos over on Instagram is bringing so much light to all of those women. It's it's in our introduction that you hear every single podcast. We take an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. And Amy and I have made a promise to share all of our realities. So when we're winning, we'll share and also when we're struggling. Okay, so those are the updates. And with that, let's get into today's podcast episode with the first question that was actually asked a couple times. Amy's going to get us started with how the heck did you two meet? Abby and I met in college at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse. We ran on the same cross country team. I distinctly remember going on a tubing trip that was a team building activity and talking to her quite a bit that one time and learning that she was a race walker. <laughs> so Abby has continuously surprised me with these like little quirks of her personality. And I, I got my first taste. I think that would have been 2005. I something like so. that. I think yeah. so. <laughs> um, and then over the years, especially we both moved to Madison and we were just acquaintances. You know, we wouldn't call each other friends at that point. Um, But we were going down our life path, doing things at really similar times. So in May, 2014, both of us got married and why that brought us together is that we were sending Facebook messages back and forth talking about venues and wedding singers and all of this stuff. So we actually got married at the exact same venue, Holy Wisdom Monastery, and we used the same wedding singer. Like It was just kind of a really funny um, time. And then from there, I would say I had a blog at the time and Abby was probably my number one fan (laughs) (laughs) along with my mom and dad. And I just, you know, felt so supported and encouraged by her. She would send me messages. She would share my posts. She actually did a couple guest posts because I knew that her and Colin were so strong in their finances and I interviewed her. So it's safe to say we started securing a pretty solid friendship at that point. Um, When I started expecting and empowered with my sister, Abby and I had gone on a walk together and she's just been this girl where I'm like, can we use you to test this product? Can we have you try these workouts? Like I knew that she was active, but also really good at giving feedback and doing something like I needed someone that was going to do it like to a T and, and make sure (laughs) that always count on me for that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's really the story. Like we've gone through life and we have been talking more and more. Our kids are really close in age and, um, that's kind of the way of it. And it's just funny because there's so many similarities throughout all of this, yet we probably would have never met yet we if we hadn't gone to lacrosse together. Like we weren't right. even close in lacrosse, but we wouldn't have known each other if that initial friendship. Amy said ran. I say that lightly because I was not very good in college cross country <laughs> or track whatsoever. But yeah, it's just it's been cool watching just how the changes have happened over the last over a decade, 15 years now that we've been that we've known each other. 
the next question that came up was, how did you decide to do a podcast together? And it was on both of our hearts. We had talked about podcasting. We would like share, oh, we love this podcast. This is a podcast that you should definitely listen to. And each of us would listen to that podcast afterwards. And then we started realizing like, okay, Abby, I, I want to do a podcast. So like right away, I'm like, yep, I'm going to sign up for the course. I did it right then. And Amy kept on being like, take me along with you. Let me know what you're doing next. What equipment do you have to buy? Like, what do you have to sign up for? What membership? Blah, blah, blah. And so I was letting like Amy bootstrapping, know. bootstrapping, <laughs> bootlegging my course from Abby. Like, don't leave me behind. Tell me everything I need to know. Oh, and I'm good for that too. So <laughs> we kept having these conversations and I can't remember what month it was. I could go back because I actually like took a, a screenshot of the Voxer message where one day I was like, Amy, why don't we just do this podcast together? And the reason I remember this so much is that Amy had like written back or you'd voiced back pretty quickly afterwards being like, let's talk about this definitely. But I didn't get the, like the notification. So in my mind, she hadn't, she was like, oh my gosh, absolutely not. I am not going to partner <laughs> with Abby. There is no way. And finally, like seven hours later, I refreshed my app and like saw that come in. So <laughs> I remember that so distinctly in my mind. And then from there, we, I mean, we didn't look back. We just we started working on things right away together of what should the name be? Should it be what's the main talking points, the main topics? Because all along, we are going to start the same podcast, just doing so each individually. Right. I remember going to lunch at Cool Beans on your side of town. Um, and Cole was a baby, like Cole was here. So it really wasn't all that long ago that we had thought that we were just going to go down the road together, but have two different podcasts. And when we would talk about what we envisioned and what our content would be and everything, um, it was safe to say we were really aligned. And then I remember kind of coaching you as you're talking about your podcast and you, you were thinking of releasing in like August or something and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're telling me these numbers and I'm like, Abby, you can do better than that. Like, <laughs> I think you can like really knock it. Like I remember just having those moments of like coaching you to be really sure that you had something really special to share with people. Oh, I just love that so much. It's so fun. Like thinking back to those really, really first memories and all of this. Um, and also you have like the reason that it works so well is that we both have a very unique skill set, but it's very different. So although we had the same goal in mind, we each are bringing different strengths to the table. And I think that's so important with any type of partnership, whether it's a marriage, which so many times Amy and I feel like we're married to each other, but also when you're actually starting a business together and definitely a podcast where it's co-hosted, having different strengths makes all the difference in the world. So to piggyback on that one, a lot of you asked if we are doing everything ourselves or if we have staff. And as far as staff, we do have a photographer. So Kane, she is amazing. She also helps out with some of our graphic design work. Otherwise, it's really all us. So if anybody has read the book Rocket Fuel, Amy is definitely the visionary in all of this. She propels us forward. She's the catalyst. She gets the ideas going. And then I'm the integrator. So I kind of make it happen, so to say. And it really works out well. At some point, we'll probably find somebody to do some of the editing of the podcast work, maybe line up guests, maybe figure out sponsors. But for right now, we're, we're doing it all. You know, and it's such a credit to Abby because it 
the podcast wouldn't be produced every week if it weren't for her. And like she said, we just have such opposite skills, which we didn't even really like that wasn't even really the reason we started things together, but it has been just so helpful. And I don't know, just the way that it's worked out. I know. Yeah. So good. Just easy, like not not easy. Nothing like this is easy, but easier than I know a lot of people who are doing podcasts together, especially when we are remote like we are right now. So another question, Amy, they want to know how we find such good guests. And this is all on you. So I'm going to hand this one off to you. So I think for anyone out there that's trying to do something like this or trying to build your network, I've always said you have to really have a heart to build a true connection with people. So a lot of the guests that we've had so far, I know from Instagram and we just have these personal connections, Kate Lemire, Amy Bernhard, Molly Millwood. Like I have cultivated these relationships with these women where it really has grown into a friendship, like a two way street. I would show up for them if they asked anything of me, essentially. Um, So it's been really fun. Like I love shining a light on what women are doing. Crystal, my sister, she had to come on, Mm -hmm. our husbands. But if you are doing things with a good heart and you're just showing up for other people in a really genuine way, I just think it comes back to you because when you ask something of them, then they want to show up for you. You know, as we kind of grow here, we have been able to um, gain the interest of, of women that we don't know, and they can just see our messaging, see what we're about, see how strong our community is. And, and so that's interesting to them because they have a message that they're passionate about spreading. So safe to say so much more to come. Like we have a dream list of guests. We have plenty of people that we still want to interview. Um, but, but really just going out into the world and finding women that you completely want to shine a light on is, has been our goal. Okay. So another question that we got, Abby, is what do you wish that you knew about starting a business? (laughs) Well, this is my first business that I'm starting. This is Amy's second. So a lot different when it's your first time around, I think, than your second time around. But it is a lot more time than a person would think. So I was up for the work, but just the amount of time that it takes, all those little tasks that just really add up to hours and hours and hours every week. And that was also a big reason that I went part-time. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I'm learning from all of this. And Amy, I know that this is your second business, but was there anything different with this one than Expecting and Empowered? I just think it's so fun. Like Expecting (laughs) and Empowered has grown and it's doing its thing and I'm so proud of it. And with herself, I'm like, you know, the thing is, if Abby and I can do it again, it definitely wasn't luck. You know, it is a skill set of what, in both of them, it's figuring out who your audience is and really serving them so well that they want to tell people about you. Um, so with Expecting and Empowered and herself, I would say the thing that I've learned is that although there's a good a good amount of crossover, like we have to like 
dig into who our herself listener is and serve her what she wants and what she'll come back for. And we hope that you guys are feeling that every single episode. (laughs) I'm actually really, really interested in this next question. Um, What major conflicts have come up since starting to work together? And I don't even know Amy's answer. It's funny because when I look at this question, I'm like, I don't really feel that there's been conflict. And that's not to say things are perfect, but I think because it is my second business, I just go into it with a mindset of like, yeah, sometimes there's going to have to be talks. Like there's going to have to be points where you come back together. You see things two different ways. Doesn't mean Abby's right. Doesn't mean Amy's right. But what middle ground? It really like, it really is a marriage. Like I'm just free business advice. If you're going to start a business, like start it with someone that you're like, I could marry this person because I just don't think there's any other way to do it. Um, but so I think that the the benefit that Abby and I have is that we are both like over communicators. So mm-hmm. we're not going to sit there and be disgruntled and let it let it marinate for days on end and lash out at each other. What's going to happen is if someone's feeling a certain way, they're just going to speak their truth when they're ready to do it. But I think the benefit we have is that we're we're very, we're both good communicators. So we're able to lay anything on the table um, right away. And so the only conflict that comes to my mind is when I was, when coronavirus first started and I got sick and my family got sick, I was like down and out. So I was like, I don't even want to talk to you. (laughs) I can't, I can't like talk about Instagram. I'm like crapping my pants. So it's just, like that was a time where we had to come together and like, what are we, how are we going to make it through this storm? Because we have to like respect each other's boundaries, set boundaries. You know, I feel like Abby and I have had such a good relationship of like, we're always cheering for each other and caring for each other as humans and friends, like first and foremost, but we are also committed to making this business work and to move it forward. So um, I don't know. What about you? Do you feel like there's been conflict? That's the exact week that I was thinking of as well. So to put into context, we had four weeks, so a month of episodes already batched, edited, content created, everything was ready and uploaded into our hosting site. So We had a month ready for you guys. And then the pandemic hit and we listened to the first episode and it was like, we cannot air this. Like this is not the right message at the right time at all. So that weekend, literally it was like 40 hours before we had to, oh, hello, baby. (laughs) Trey, are you supposed to be in your bed? That's right. He keeps coming. Can you say hi? Hi, Trey. Hi. (laughs) Say, I am Trey. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be napping. I'm not supposed to be napping. <laughs> okay, hold on one second. <laughs> All right, kiddo back in bed. Like we said, this is going to be a real episode. So where were we? Literally that weekend, it was, what, 48 hours before <laughs> the episode <laughs> was supposed to hit. And we re-recorded. We Amy created all of the questions and the the outline, and then we jumped on and re-recorded, and then I edited all day Sunday. We were passing things back and forth, so that was just really, really stressful because there was so much in such a short period of time. 
And then that week you got sick, Amy. So that week you got sick. So it was like, okay, Abby on right now. Okay. What are we going to talk about this week? So I think that just the next couple of weeks after that, we're just like trying to figure it out. And like Amy said, we're both really good communicators. So as soon as something was on either of our minds, we just brought it up. And that helps so much with just making sure you're on the same page. And yeah, I just have appreciated that (laughs) a ton during this entire pandemic, but also before that. Honestly, it's like thinking of it as a marriage, um, as the therapist Tracy said that we had on, like, I think a lot of it with your coworkers, with your bosses, anything, it's like, pick your battles. Mm -hmm. What do I need to say? And what can I be like, you know what? She probably didn't mean to sound annoyed with me. (laughs) She probably (laughs) just is like having a, is having a day that's just kind of what I live by. So I know when I need to open my mouth and speak. And I know when sometimes it's whatever's going on in my own life too, like being sick made it feel like I was really demanded from Abby. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, sometimes put it in the context of what's happening in your own life before being reactionary to whoever you're trying to work with. Yeah. And you're way better at that. I am than most of the world is, I think, because when you're so stressed out, it's like the people who are closest to you usually get the brunt of it. And because we are so close, it was like, okay, I need this. I need this. I need this. Wait, you can't do any of this because you have three children at home and you're sick and you're running two businesses. Like it was just so much all at once with the change. So yeah, that's the only time I can think of it. And we figured it out. Like we're still figuring it out, even with kids at home, wiping off tushes in between recordings. Like this is just going to be real life for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's completely change subjects now because I think we've covered podcast questions. Let's go into some questions that we have got about our children and motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to tee this one off to you, Amy, first, because, well, I'll give a little bit of information on this one. So questions about breastfeeding and coping with ending that journey. So one fun fact, and Amy, you'll have to cite me on this one and make sure that my facts are correct, but I think that we both breastfed both our first and second kid for 14 months. Is that true? Yeah. Funny little thing that we have in common. And with this, I honestly felt that the anticipation of it ending was harder than breastfeeding actually ending. So like those days and weeks leading up to it where you know that, okay, this is the last two in a day. And this is the last one in a day. You're just breastfeeding your baby to sleep. The anticipation of it was really, really hard. But knowing that there's so much freedom on the other side, so not having to bring a breast pump with you if you go leave for a couple of days, not having to be on a time schedule, freedom is one of my main values. And so it was kind of like a relief, not a relief, but just I had so much extra time or extra freedom when the breastfeeding journey did end. Now, I will say with this third babe coming, Lord willing, everything comes out okay, that I think I'll be holding on to that breastfeeding a little bit longer. So I can't say it for anybody who is ending their breastfeeding for sure. But Amy, that's where you come in because I know this is your last baby. Yeah, it's this is a funny question for me because really between Max, you know, followed up Trey, followed up Cole. So I w- have not been free of being pregnant or breastfeeding. So there was like always something else coming. So you're completely right. This is the first time that it'll be like, I'm kind of done with a chapter of my motherhood journey. But 
is this going to surprise people? I actually feel really, really good. Like I feel really good about where we are as a family. I do not feel as sad about, you know, our last baby year finishing up or my last breastfeeding journey. I just am a girl that is like, I feel so fortunate to have gone through this with each of the boys. And I just think there's something so beautiful about each stage and all the stages to come with Cole. I think the first time with breastfeeding, I really wrapped up, like I was kind of worried that Maxwell and I, like our bond would suffer a little bit. But now, as you guys can hear in the background, um, I know that that is not the truth and that breastfeeding is a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a, a part of the journey for some of us, but it doesn't, you can still have the snuggles and you can still have the cuddles and the love goes nowhere. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like a huge, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm sure that there's going to be moments of sadness, but I'm also feeling like it's going to be cool to be done. <laughs> That's a good place to be. That's like a really yeah. good place to be. Okay. Now that we're on the subject and all my kids are going crazy. Um, what do you wish that you would have done before you had babies? Record more podcast episodes. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have thought about this one. So when this question came in, I was like, what would I have done before babies? And I think I would have done a lot more we love dates. We wish we'd have done a lot more dates because now it just adds a whole nother element of planning and costs, obviously, when a babysitter is involved. I also wish we'd have done a lot more vacations. And when I say vacations, like long vacations, maybe have gone to like Europe, for instance, or done another trip to Hawaii. All of these things sound like delicacies and luxuries right now because nobody's traveling even even to the store right now. But I think longer vacations would have been something I wish I would have done because I don't know when we'll really get that chance. Or if we will, I'll either be missing the kids or they'll be with us. And both of those just don't make for the same type of vacation. Um, some fun things. I think I wish I would have worn more crop tops because <laughs> just, just more fun. Like, I don't know, just the things that, that make more fun. Um, slept in a little bit more. I did endurance sports. So I did the Ironman and marathons, but I wish I would have done that more because right now I couldn't fathom going on a six hour bike ride. Like that's just not going to be part of my life for a really long time. So I think those are the things I wish I would have done before I had babies. Amy, what about you? You know, I like your answers and I totally concur, especially the vacationing. But one thing I really wish that I would have done a better job at is just being in the moment with Drew. Um, After we got married, I really wanted to start having children like immediately. (laughs) And Drew wanted to wait. And so we came up with a timeline that made sense to both of us. And I just wished that instead of um, feeling like rushed to to start having kids, and that was my own, like that was no one was putting pressure on me. I just wanted babies to be a part of my life. I wish I would have just appreciated that time with just Drew more and sank into it and not pressured him to start having children, if that makes sense. So I was like, babe, you know, I would get sad like our some of our friends were having babies and I just felt like, oh, I just want to start our family. 
And it's so easy to look back at those months, years when you were married or engaged, just the two of you and be like, oh, now looking back, we definitely could have had more time. But in that moment when you want babies, like I get it. I was in the same boat where it's like, all you want is babies. Like every single month, all you want is babies. So if you're there right now and you're just like yearning the babies, we get it. We know exactly where that is. It's so different once one child comes into your life. Definitely two, Amy with three, me with almost three. It just changes your perspective on what alone time actually looks like. And I do feel like Colin and I get some of that alone time when we have like a weekend away, when the grandparents come. Obviously, for the foreseeable future, we won't have any of those weekends alone, but they do feel good if you're like yearning a childless free couple of days. It just kind of like resets you and to get back on track. So with that, Amy, do you ever miss anything before marriage and kids? So do you miss any part of your life before Drew, before your three boys? You know, with, I'm, a, I honestly, you guys, I'm so obsessed with Drew in a healthy way, I think, but I just love like him and I, I, I don't, my life has been so great when he's been a part of it. And so I don't really think about life before him and not to say, I mean, girls, believe me, I, I enjoyed my life before him, but he's enriched it so much that I don't miss that. Um, before kids, it's really simple things. Drew and I will say, I just wish that like on a Sunday, we could just cuddle on the couch and just, we love football, like watch a whole day of football and just not have anyone like crawling all over us all the time. So it's just that, um, the idea that when we, especially the more we've added that we have three kids now, we really barely have any, what I would say, downtime. And we do miss that. Like as a couple, that feels like it's an important part of your connection. And so we've been working on how to get that downtime back, obviously, after all of this wraps up and we can have another adult come into our house and help us. But what about you when that question comes up? Do you miss anything before Colin or before the kids? And I would agree with everything you're saying. So I don't, I don't even really remember life before Colin. I just think that he was such a catch in my world. Like I just hadn't been happy. I was very, very sad. I was very lost before I found Colin. It's been almost a decade now. So those years have been really good, but definitely just those little bits of time of downtime and rest and like truly not having anything to do or anybody to take care of. Like you're just in charge of yourself that's what I miss a little bit. And you don't have that with kids. Like kids are a wonderful blessing, but there's definitely always a responsibility. And I know there was some questions about this transition from having one to two babies. Amy, you could probably talk on the two to three babies a lot better than I could right now. But I guess some of my main things on that transition from when you're adding more kids is really to ask for help. And when you ask for help and when people offer, making sure that you accept that help. Along with the saying no when you want to say no. I feel as women, we we pressure ourselves to say yes when we actually don't want to do something or don't want to be somewhere or make that commitment. And that's on us. Like that's on us as women when we're saying yes to something and it just makes it, makes your life a lot harder. It's a lot more full of the things that you don't actually want. I think with this, it's going to be hard to say because I I do this way too much, but understanding that you can't do it all and being totally okay letting the world 
just take over and step in, like really giving control over to God, the universe, the world, whatever you believe in, and the support system around you. And right now, obviously, it's a little bit difficult. We can't get support in the ways we used to. But that is so important from that transition to one to two babies. And I will let you know, just with all of this, with just Lucy, I was not good at this. Like I was a control freak. I I was the best person for it. Fill in the blanks. When we had two kids, I waved the white flag. And that's when it was a lot easier to ask for help and actually accept that help coming in. I loved your answer. I think that all made perfect sense to me. For me, the hardest thing with adding kids and adding more kids is the communication with your spouse. So I wish I would have learned how to better communicate earlier on in our parenthood together. I think that's made all of the difference. Instead of like acting out at each other, like now we're, we have the ability to usually put words on it. So I say, Drew, I am feeling very overwhelmed. I really need to go on a walk right now just by myself. You know, we can say what we need and we can meet the other person where they are usually and give that support. But after one, after two, it was more like we acted out at each other instead of naming, I feel overwhelmed. I feel, um, I feel unsupported. I feel whatever the feeling was, we would just kind of like act annoyed at each other. And so I I really wish that we would have um, figured it out a little bit earlier. And so I do tell people, like Cole, our third baby, this has been our best transition yet because we had some of those skills in place and we were able to tell each other what we needed. of course, then I always I always have the caveat. I think it really depends on the needs and the personality of the baby because Cole has also been our easiest baby so far. Or, well, he's our last, but um, Max was screaming four hours a night, every night for a couple months. Like, who could be calm so <laughs> like hard. with that? <laughs> you know, so, you know it just depends. Like everyone's got a different situation. Maybe there's other things going on in your life or your marriage. So just to give yourself the, also the understanding that the answer to this question is going to be very individualized to what you're currently walking through or what your relationship looks like. That's so important. Everyone's story will look different. So we're telling our stories with this piece. Um, Amy, talk through a little bit with the spacing. Like your kids are very close together. You mentioned that you've been breastfeeding, pregnant, breastfeeding, pregnant, breastfeeding (laughs) nonstop for a really long time. What would you wish you have known about that? Just that spacing between between your kids now. You know, it's so funny. Drew and I were sitting on our deck last weekend, and it's like when we were doing it, we didn't even really. It sounds so stupid to you guys, but like. We didn't even really realize how close they were together because we were just in it. And Drew had always visualized his children being close together in age, as do I. Why? Probably because we each have close in age siblings and we've really enjoyed going through life with them. Um, So I would say, you know, Max, we were obviously ready to have a baby. Trey was a surprise to us. We were going to start trying soon. Um, and then Cole, I don't know, you guys. 
I'm like, there's no perfect answer to this. We felt comfortable having close in age babies. My body had recovered between everyone knows I really try to look after myself and my needs physically, mentally. So like I always felt in a good position to add another child. And now we already are feeling like the fruits of our labor. You guys have heard my children come in six times (laughs) during this podcast (laughs) interview. So believe me, we're not living an easy life over here. But when we see Max and Trey playing together, calling each other their best friends, like, you know, Cole not far behind, already mixing it up with the boys, like we just feel like, oh, yes, this is like, this is what we've put this work in for. Obviously, how many months? How many months are between each of them? So, um, Max and Trey are seventeen and a half months apart, and then Trey and Cole are twenty months apart. And I would say I didn't really notice a difference, if I'm being honest, you guys, between seventeen and a half months and twenty months. Like, I don't think it seemed like we had two two babies when Trey was born or anything like that. Kind of that age gap, like they're. It's kind of at the same level. Do you do you know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Mm-hmm. Everyone still needs you a lot. <laughs> Com- well, two in diapers. I mean, you still have two in diapers at this point. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's different because our kids are decently close together, but not that close. So, 22 months, and then this third will be two and a half years. So, I mean, not anything that it's very very normal. I guess I think a lot right, of people right. have kids that will be two to three grades apart. But I love the age that Lucy's at right now. So Lucy just turned four and she can understand everything about this pregnancy. Like she sees my bump growing. She, by the day is like, whoa, my baby sister is getting really big. And by the way, we don't know if we're having a girl or a boy, (laughs) but she's adamant that it's a baby sister. Um, So it's just really, really cute. And at 22 months when Micah was born, she just didn't get it. Like at that point, she really didn't understand it. So I just love the age that she's at right now with seeing this baby. Having two under two rocked our world. So those couple of months were really, really difficult. I was also going through some postpartum depression. So I'm not sure if that was because it was so much more difficult than I was thinking or what, but the two under two was hard for me. But right now, just like Amy said, seeing them play together is like, oh, thank goodness we had kids close together because it feels so, so good. And and just to follow that up, we understand this is not it's not an option for everyone. Like we just want to say we're sharing our stories. We got asked these questions. We're so happy to open up, but we have huge hearts and we understand that, you know, not everyone can choose the spacing of their children. So you all had so many good questions come in as we're getting to the end of the second part with the first one going through podcasts and just a little bit of background on Amy and I, and then into the babies. We are going to end for today, but we will come back on and talk through some of the personal questions that you asked as well as relationship questions. So until then, thank you all for listening. These questions have been so much fun, just really a light. It's been a really, really dark week. So thank you for your support. Thank you for just all the comments and just, I feel you. Like I feel all your warmth. I feel all your light in more ways than you know. It means the world to our entire family. Colin's even feeling it. Like it's just a really, really beautiful thing. So thank you all so, so much. And if you have any other questions, let us know. We're always up for a DM or a quick little conversation on Instagram.